thanks. Can you just kill the gain there a bit? Otherwise, it's going to feed. Thanks, Johnny boy. Well, welcome, everybody. Um, if you're here for the first time, I don't see somebody here for the second time. Welcome again. Um, and welcome to those online. Uh, it's a, just a, it's incredible to be here. You know, I always, as I prepare, I always just, you know, feel the privilege of the Lord upon all our lives, you know? Um, sometimes we overlook it, but it is a great privilege to be called a son and a daughter of the living God, hey? Um, I just think now, I don't know Rosie was going to share that testimony, but um, really, the Lord is a miracle-working God, hey? And, um, you know, it's said that one miracle is worth a thousand preachers, so what can I actually say? Because the report is there. I'll show you the 3D scan. You can see it for, your, for yourself. What more can I say? I mean, I'm a logical guy. This and this and this happened. Then we prayed, and then this happened. So, do you know what I'm saying? So what more can I say than to give glory and honor to our God? Because he's a miracle-working God. And so, like, I've been listening this morning, and I've just been hearing the words that are coming through. And I just want to remind us. So um, this is totally a left field open preach slot, which has got, it's, it's not part of the devoted series. We've got some apostolic inputs. We've had some apostolic inputs. And uh, the Lord has somehow thrown this in here. And it's really, I've, I've been listening to what's come before this and what, what, the words that came through this morning. And, um, you know, last week, Morris shared his last preach to the lighthouse uh, as an elder of the lighthouse. And they, they've got their season ahead. But he said this. He said, and I don't know if you picked it up, but he said, um, I see lots of lands being opened up for you, for the lighthouse. I see lots of lands being opened up, vast new lands being broken open and broken up. And he says, and I see, for you, I see for you to be used as an instrument in the Lord's hands. He just said that. Like, that's what I see. And then he carried on. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, like, this guy, he's preaching his last preach. He's been an elder here for 13 years. You know, I put some weight on that, you know. And so I do believe the Lord is giving us vast new lands, and there's, there's lands that are being opened up. And so then we're at this prayer meeting, we're, we're at an elders meeting on Tuesday, then we're at the prayer meeting on Wednesday. And I just felt this thing about, you know, the Lord is giving us beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, all for his glory. It's just, he does it, he changes it, but it's all for his glory. And then Myra shared uh, Ezekiel 47, come alive, dry bones. I mean, when you look at that scripture and you say, can these bones live? Take a chicken, <laughs> when they take all the bones and tell me if that chicken is going to come alive again and start running around. It's impossible. But then the Lord says, you prophesy. The Lord says, you prophesy to these bones and they will live. 
He can do it, but he chooses us to prophesy. That's why prophetic words are so powerful, you know, like what was shared this morning. It's incredible. So I'm, you know, I think about the stories, Rahab. Actually, we're all disqualified. That's the truth. Without Jesus. But with Jesus, we're all qualified. It's that simple. You are totally disqualified in your own, you're totally disqualified because sin separates you from God. But then, you, then Jesus comes and cleanses you and you totally righteous and qualified. Isn't it beautiful? So, I really felt like this morning there is a, something that the Lord wants to put on our hearts and something that the Lord is just nudging us a little bit. Um, and it comes, it's the story of a man called Caleb. And I want you to read it with me. And we're going to read a bit. So if you have a Bible, uh, you can pull it out. But um, I, I'm going to read this. And then we'll just look at the story. And then we'll see what the Lord does. Um, Numbers 13. If you can go there, it's in the Old Testament. <laughs> you can Google it. <laughs> but it's Numbers, th- uh, I don't know the page, but uh, yeah, Numbers 13. So check what it says here. Twelve scouts explore Canaan. That is the, the, the heading in, in my Bible. So it says here, uh, chap- Numbers 13 from verse 1. The Lord now said to Moses, send out twelve men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Now, when Morris shared, I've been uh, prepping this for like a month, and when he shared that last week, I thought, "Ah, the Lord is, you know, he knows exactly what he wants to say, you know. Send one leader, okay, these are leaders, from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out 12 men all tribal leaders of Israel from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. These were the tribes and the names of their leaders. Now you see it's got a table. So even back then, they were like, needed things in, in, in Excel spreadsheets. Can you see it or is it just my Bible? Maybe Terry was writing out for them there. Tribe, the tribe of Reuben had this guy, Shamua. Simeon, Shaphat, I think. Uh, Judah was Caleb. Issachar was Egal, Ephraim was Hoshea, that's Joshua. Benjamin was Palti, Zebulun, Gadiel, Manasseh, Gadi, Dan, Amiel, Asher. The tribe of Asher was Seth, Naphtali was Napi, I think, and Gad was Geul. Those are some nice names, but I prefer Caleb and Joshua. They're easy to... But, uh, so these are the 12 guys that get sent out, okay? So verse 16. These are the names of the men of Moses sent out. These are the names of the men Moses sent out to explore the land. Moses called Hoshea, son of Nun, by the name Joshua. Cool. So there's 12 guys that get sent out, 12 leaders. Now let's read the story. Moses gave these men gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev in the hill country, see what the land is like, and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls, or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? 
do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. Why? It's in my hand, but there's no denying it. Bring the sample so we can taste. What is this land like, you know? It happened to be the season for harvesting the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near this place over here, Lebo Hamath. Going north, they passed through the Negev and arrived at Hebron, where Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. Now, the descendants of Anak, well, this was Goliath's grandfather, probably. They were giants. The ancient town of Hebron was, in, yeah, it says in brackets, was founded seven years before the Egyptian city. When they came to the valley of Eshol, they cut down a branch of a single cluster of grapes, so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. If Woolies finds that farm, <laughs> you know, I'm just telling you, that's like, you know, they'll, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, two, two people carrying a punnet of grapes like this. You can't even chow one, you must cut it. You know what I'm saying? The place was, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, um, two between them. They also brought back samples of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eshol, which means cluster, because of the cluster of grapes that the Israelite men cut there. Now let's just hear the report, and then we're gonna make, we're gonna look at the thing. So now the report. It's called the, the scouting report. So these leaders go out, and now they're coming back to say what's going on. So after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what, what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land... You sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. And I'm reading this for a purpose. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. So they say, here it is. This is what the land produces. But <laughs> the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. So now they're busy speaking. So then everyone starts, now it becomes a ruckus. There's always a riot in the Bible. There's always got to be a riot, especially where Paul goes. There's a riot. But Caleb tried to quiet the people because it's like, oh, it's so lacquer. Oh, but we can't, there's giants. So now everyone's freaking out. So Caleb steps in and he says, tries to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go. What does it say in your Bible? Okay, mine says, let's go at once. He's just come back. Doesn't want to, like me, I still need to pack my stuff, <laughs> see Rosie for a bit. You know, I'm still planning here. This guy's like, no, let's go at once now. 
Why? It's got faith in that moment. Doesn't want to hear. Doesn't want to let things creep in. It's got the faith. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. The other men. Do not be the other men. Don't be it. Don't be them. Mm. We can't go up against them, for they are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes there. So they're saying, if you go there, you're going to get devoured. All the people we saw were huge. We, we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. So that's the report. Now, do you know what happened to those people, the Israelites? I'll tell you what happens. If you go with me to... Okay, I want to read one thing quickly before we go to Joshua. Go to Numbers 14 quick. From verse 5. Or let's read from, let's read from the beginning of verse 14. Because I don't have much to say and I'd prefer us to read the story. Then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If we only had died in Egypt or even in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Mm. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? They plotted among themselves. Let's choose another leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down to the ground before the whole community. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephuni, tore their clothing. That was a sign of saying, no ways. I'm, this is, I'm mourning now. I can't believe what is actually happening. They said to the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And how's this? Verse 8. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. So do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land, for they are helpless. Pray to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. So don't be afraid of them. You see, they weren't, he wasn't saying, come, let's go because I'm a good, I can chop an oak's ear off with a sword. He wasn't saying, come, we got this massive army. He was just saying, the Lord is with us, so let's go. Why is it even, what's the question? And so now look, but the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. And so the story goes on. And let's pick it up in verse 20. Because Moses intercedes for the people, the Lord gets angry, the Lord's saying, you don't believe in my promises. So basically, 
the Lord wants to wipe them out. And Moses stands in front and says, no, please, these are your people. He reminds God, anger makes you forget things. <laughs> and so the, the Moses reminds God and he says, you, these are your people. So God says, cool, I'll forgive them, but... So verse 20, then the Lord said, I will pardon them as you have requested, but surely as I live, this is God speaking, which is forever and ever and time and again, surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter that land. Full stop. Done. But, let's go to verse 24, but my servant Caleb, what does your Bible say there? My servant Caleb has a different, does anybody have an NLT Bible there? What does it say? Attitude. My servant spirit, but my servant Caleb has a different spirit than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land that he explored. Oh. This is beautiful. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. And the saddest, one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Let's read it. Verse 25. Now turn around and don't go. Towards the land. God says, turn around. Go. Oh, but God is the... How can he do this to the people? I don't know. Ask him. Here it's written. But he did it. And he is a forgiving God. And he forgave them instead of wiping them out. But there's still consequences to their actions. And so then he punishes them. And an entire generation gets wiped out, and only Joshua and Caleb go through. And so I want to focus on what made this guy different, just quickly, briefly. You see, in verse 41, Moses says this, because the people say, no, we're going now. So now they want to go. You didn't want to go when the Lord said go. You freaked out. Now the Lord says, don't go. Now you want to go. Stab it. Yes, stiff-necked people. <laughs> That's what God called them. Guess what? God is like, I'm, I would have been the same. It's typical of us all. We all would have done the same thing. And that's why I felt this morning to share this. Verse 41, why are you disobeying the Lord's orders to return to the wilderness? Moses says, because it won't work. Don't go up into the land now. You will only be crushed by your enemies because the Lord is not with you. Just now he was with you. But now he's not. Not on this mission. When you face the Amalekites, Amalekites and Canaanites in battle, you will be slaughtered. The Lord will abandon you because you abandoned the Lord. Yo. So Caleb's got this different spirit. So what makes this guy different? Because these guys don't enter, but this guy enters. And it's a lesson. It's, a, it's something that God just put in the Bible. It took a 10-day journey, 40 years, 
40 years because that lack of faith had to be taken out of this generation. And only these guys who have the faith, you can take it through to the next guys. So how's this? So I go and I like to research, what do names mean? Because we're looking at names and, you know, we, I like, what do names mean? What is this person, why is this person called this? I often look up people's names to see what their destiny is because you become what you're called because you call that person that thing 20 times a day. Guess what Caleb means? Does anybody know? I think Rosie knows. Jackie knows, hey? It means dog. Oh, Lord, how can you bring a dog into the promised land? You know, like dog, come on. But what do we know about a dog? What is a dog? He's a man's best friend. You come home, you cross, slamming the doors, everything. There's a dog. You know, give the dog a biscuit. Loyal. That's what it means. Loyal means wholehearted. That means his whole heart was devoted to God. What does the Bible say? What does what Jesus say in one of the commandments? Well, he sums it up and he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And that was Caleb. Wholehearted. So this guy's he's fully devoted to God. So 45 years later, 45 years. It's unbelievable. And I want to quickly read this to you. Numbers, uh, Joshua 14, verse 10. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise. That was the promise that he would get the land. So he comes to request his land. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. How's this? Today, I am 85 years young. (laughs) Because he says here, I am as strong now as I was then when Moses sent me on that journey. I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. You know, there's no retirement in the kingdom of God. Oh, go and retire. No. Go and retire from your business and do that. But there's no retirement in the kingdom of God. You can't retire. Sorry. Because God has chosen you. There's only promotion. Except for those other guys who didn't believe. <laughs> but that's, that's the thing. You've got to believe. So check here. I'm strong now. So give me the hill country that the Lord has promised me. You will remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But how's this? But if the Lord is with me, if the Lord is with me, not if these oaks can fight, if this new generation is strong enough, have they been training? I don't care about that. If the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of this land just as the Lord said. This is beautiful. So Joshua blessed Caleb and gave Hebron to him 
as his portion of land. And this is what I want to just touch on here quickly. Verse 14. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb. And it says there, because why? It gives us a reason. Why does Hebron belong to Caleb? Because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. And the land had rest from war. And the reason why I wanted to share this this morning is because there's certain things that God wants to actually give us. And if we believe that Morris got a word from the Lord and we trust that he's heard from the Lord and that God wants to give us some vast and open lands and God wants to give us more and there's beautiful ashes and the bones are going to come alive we got to watch what we say. we got to watch what we, how we give a report. You see, it's easy. Proverbs says, as a man thinks, so he becomes. Oh, but God preordained everything. So, so whether I think good or bad or whatever, then no. Go study. You can study it, but... Your words come alive. That's why he said prophesy to these bones. I mean, it's a clear picture there. The guy said, we can't go in. They didn't go in. The two guys said, we can go in. They went in. There's a, there it is. See, as a man thinks, so he becomes. He has a different attitude. There's one attitude that I think is deadly for the church, and it was deadly back then. And this is what I, you know what it's called? Complaining. Bible, Bible word. Because I'm the, I'm the king of complaints. Bro, I walk into a restaurant. I've already checked. Mm, that tile is skew, this is that. This, the, the lady's just trying to cook 12 meals. And, you know, give her a break. When last did you go into the kitchen and say, well done. That was a tremendous, that was a such a nice meal. When last did you compliment the chef? Oh, look at this. Not enough cheese. The bread is too hard. Hmm? Or is it just me? I think I'm on. Hey? It's just me. Hey? <laughs> look, even with, you know, the country's this. The, that is that. I go there. I want, as soon as I'm about to turn on the coffee machine, doom. Benicio even knows. No power. He knows already. Not even two. He knows load shedding. And we complain, and I'm just like, and you know what happened? Rosie said the story. Rosie said the story, told us the story. But when that, when that lady said this and this and this and this, you know, with the pregnancy, I just said, okay, we need to do what we need to do. And I kept quiet. Because I realized what I say could affect the situation. You know, Sylvia, the doctor does a report, brings the results and says this and this. She said, I bind that in Jesus' name. Right there, while the lady's giving us a thing. She said, I bind that. We don't be, you know, I get it. You studied for this many years. I'm not mocking. I understand we need doctors. Doctors, I understand all of that. But there comes a time when we need to have Faith. Faith. Yes, there are giants, but if the Lord is with us. So I want to tell you a little story. 
Where is this thing? This is a normal bottle cap. I go. I got mates over, some of our new mates. I throw the uh, throw chuck a bottle away. He goes to the dustbin. He says, "Why are you throwing this?" I'm like, "What do you mean, Bruce? I'm throwing it away. I don't want twelve bottles. Do you know plastic water bottles? Takes off the lid. He says, "No, I'll keep this." Puts the lid in his pocket. I'm like, "Bruce, what are you doing?" It's like, "No. These." You know, a certain amount of these, and you give them to some org- organization, and then they uh, buy a wheelchair. I'm talking thousands of water bottles, but there's a wheelchair for someone who's in need. So I think to myself, I've been throwing away wheelchairs for 25 years, just like that. Small, little, insignificant bottle cap had no purpose ever in my life. In fact, it's still, just now at the coffee shop, I was like, Graham, give me that bottle cap. Because we just chucked them away. And like, I have to remind myself, small little thing like this can change somebody's future. So now here's this bag. This is from last week. A lot of water. <laughs> but it's like, now, this, now there's a purpose See, we throw away God's, a lot of things that God has entrusted us with because we don't see the purpose. Now, for me, it's just something the Lord has shown me and said, you know, this could be some, somebody who needs a wheelchair, this little bottle cap. So I just collect them and I give them to him, and then he's got garbage bags of them at the factory. And then he's going to give them in, and then there's going to be a wheelchair. And a small thing, just believing a small thing, could change someone's destiny. You see, this thing of complaining is a problem for a lot of us. Murmuring. In the Bible, it says grumbling. That's what they did. They complained about the weather. They complained about the leadership. They complained about the food. It was too hot. It was too cold. It was too dark. It was too light. It was too far. See, you complain long enough, you get your future canceled. You get your future canceled. Also, it also shows you, even God himself. Okay, we know that God is slow to hang. But even he sometimes can say, that's enough. You're not getting the picture. You're not going in. You know what I'm saying? And I believe the, the Lord this morning wants us to increase our faith. See, there's men in the Bible and women. Caleb says, if the Lord is with me. What does David say? Goes in front of the battlefield. And I'm, I'm finishing off now. There's Goliath, the big giant. He says, who is this guy anyway that is allowed to defy the Lord's armies or the armies of the living God? Who is this man that defies the Lord's armies? See, they believed that the Lord's power was greater than anything in front of them. It's like we sang that song. No mountain is too high. No mountain is too wide. Nothing can stop your love. And you see this. I think the battle begins here. And that's where I think the Lord is making a shift. We need to be men and women of faith. Against all odds. Yes, we believe it. Rahab, Rosie, 
we believe in that the Lord is with us. And that's the type. You know, I think that like we can get caught up in all the theology and but these guys just believed. Joshua and Caleb. They just said, we can do it. And there's something that the Lord responds to when men and women say, we're in it. And so how's this? You look at the Bible. Towards the end in Revelation, Jesus says, comes and he says, just choose. Either be hot or cold. Don't be half. He says, just choose. Go this way or go this way. Well, what if I go the wrong way? You'll find out sooner. Won't take you 30 years to find out you've been going the wrong way. At least go the wrong way. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not condoning, you know, I'm just saying, choose, make a choice, have faith, you know. I'm the worst, Rosie will tell you. <laughs> Rosie will tell you, you know. Can you just make up your mind? No, I can't. What about this? What about that? And I believe we just need to, in our hearts, make up our minds that the Lord is faithful. The Lord is always there. Yes, there are some stories. Yes, there are some consequences. But I want to be a guy like Caleb, Joshua, David, that my descendants, my kids, the people that are following me, I don't cancel my future and theirs. Do you know what I'm saying? I want to be a guy that believes in what the Lord is doing. And how's this? It says here in Proverbs 24, verse 16, The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. A man who's not submitted and following the Lord, one disaster, take him out. But a man who has wholeheartedly following the Lord, and woman, wholeheartedly, He's got a different attitude. Yes, we're making mistakes along the way. Yes, it's difficult. But our heart is fully devoted to God. He can fall, he'll rise up. He can fall, he'll rise up. He can fall, he'll rise up. And then eventually, he'll inherit the land. And so that is, that is, I just really believe that we need to believe. We just need to believe what the Lord says. You see, we can, do nothing without, we can do nothing without him. But we can do all things with him. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And I want to share this last scripture and then I'm done. You see, Jesus in Mark 23 says this, what do you mean if I can? So he says, if you can, will you heal me? Like the lady. So Jesus responds, what do you mean if I can, as if you're saying that I can't. For anything is possible if a person believes. So guess what? The, this man's father instantly cries out, I do believe, 
but help me overcome my unbelief. So I believe, but I don't. And I think, yeah, now you, you, which way? And my prayer for us this morning is, Lord, help us all to overcome our unbelief. We do believe, but we also don't believe. Some things we believe, some things we don't. But help us to overcome our unbelief so that people coming after us can live in that promised land. Amen.